the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this Tuesday, November 14th, 2023. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, with you for the next two hours here on ESPN 106.7. Hope you're doing well. It was sunny earlier, but uh, a little bit more on the cloudy side today. Uh, here in Auburn, Opelika, but uh, temperature's pretty cool. Look, this is my weather, man. I've been telling you for a while. Um, this is this is me right here. This is my my type of weather. A little bit on the cooler side, right? Um, this is this is what I enjoy. And so, I hope you're doing well on this Tuesday. Can I be honest with you on this Tuesday? I'm tired, man, for absolutely no reason. It's Tuesday. I'm not allowed to be tired yet on a Tuesday, um, but it's been busy today, and I'm I'm kind of on the tired side, but excited to get into the studio because it always takes a, a, a show like this, right, this time period. If I am in the tired zone, right, in the tired mood, um, this always gets me going, and so I'm happy to be here. I hope you are as well. I appreciate you being here, here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. We've got so much to go over today as we are here inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio. Got more to talk about when it comes to uh, Auburn football with their big win over the weekend. As we uh, slowly begin to look ahead, I still want to talk about a few things from Saturday, right? And I want to talk about uh, some of the some of the trends and some of the stats and sort of what we saw. Um, we have some basketball to talk about today. Uh, we've got Hugh Freeze audio for you today, and then Daryl Daprich, Double D, will join us coming up later on in hour number two. And as we always do on a Tuesday, still want to get your reactions, your thoughts, your opinions on what's going on and what you saw on Saturday for Auburn football. Uh, If you want to talk a little Auburn basketball, whatever's on your mind, give me a call. Phone lines are open today. 334-321-1390. That number again, 334-321-1390. Whatever you you want to talk about. How are you feeling on a Tuesday? Uh, If you want to talk about college football playoff rankings if you want to talk about the coaching searches if you want to talk I mean we got some other news today that could possibly be happening with some coaching changes uh, in major college football so what do you want to talk about it's open for you to join me on the show today 334-321-1390 again we're going to talk some more Auburn Arkansas today Um, we're going to talk a little Auburn basketball today Hugh Freeze audio we'll talk to Daryl Dapperich and get his thoughts and his interesting perspectives on everything as well and so should be a great show excited to get into it here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line and let's go ahead and get to the phone lines early on here in the show 334-321-1390 you're on the line who am I speaking with this is Jack from Auburn hey Jack how are you man what's on your mind 
I'm great, man. I'm tired like you, brother. Extremely tired on a Tuesday. We're not allowed to be tired, yeah, man. Talk... It's only Tuesday. <laughs> I know. I want to talk about this football team, though. I, I think we're progressively getting better and better, and better, and I'm really proud of this team right now. Yeah, yeah, I agree. What, uh, what, what, what have you? Yeah, what have you seen? What, what, what makes you say that? Because I agree with you. Well, our defense, our defense to me is we're probably one of the top defenses in the SEC. And nobody gives them any credit. I've never heard anything written about them or said anything about them. We've consistently been. Better than the average football team in the, in the NCAA this year. I've been trying to give my praise to the defense, man, almost every day. I do my best, I promise, because they deserve it. They absolutely deserve well, it. I they are appreciate that, brother. They are balling out, man. And you know, I talk to Eugene Asante every week, and and these guys are are really they're very very underrated. I believe that, and, and they have kept Auburn outside of the LSU game. They have kept Auburn in every single game this season. Well, I appreciate you, brother, and I, I, you keep up the good work, man. Have a great day, and I hope you feel better like me. <laughs> <laughs> appreciate that, man. Great you to hear from day. you. You take care of yourself. Yes, sir, you too. Appreciate the call to get us started here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, 334-321-1390. Look, for, for those of you that if for you know listen here and there or listen every day, whether it's two minutes, two hours, whatever, um, I hope you've been able to pick up on the fact that I have tried to praise this Auburn defense as much as possible because they are playing extremely well. And to his point, the team as a whole has gotten better every single game, I think, right? I know it's tough to tell that and determine that in that four-game losing streak, right? That's tough to see, um, especially when you had the, the LSU loss in there, right? That's a tough... That's a tough thing to swallow, and it's tough to see if you got better in a blowout loss on the road like that. But even after that, I think Auburn has gotten better since really that moment. Maybe the Georgia game, or maybe after that LSU game, I think that was the the turning point. Because you then played Ole Miss, and you didn't win. You should have. You had numerous chances to win that game, and you didn't. But I think Auburn got better in that Ole Miss game. And then they turned it in, and they got their first SEC win against Mississippi State. They then backed it up with a win on the road against Vanderbilt. And then they backed it up again with a win on the road against Arkansas. And so, yeah, I think this team has gotten better over the last, what is that, four games now? I expect to see that this Saturday. And I would love to see it next Saturday against Alabama in the Iron Bowl. I would. I would love to see that. And I think a huge part of it is the offense has gotten better each and every game. And I I think we talked about this yesterday. Wade and I did. The defense has been playing like this since all the way back in the Cal game. I mean, they played week one, yes, but... Week two against the Power 5 team on the road out in California. The Auburn defense played just like they are right now. And I don't care if the Cal offense is considered good or bad. Auburn kept The Auburn defense kept this team in the game long enough for them to put a drive together and sneak out of there with a win. And speaking of that, I know we've mentioned this a few times over the year, But how big is that win now? How big is it that Auburn went on the road to what is not a good Cal team, a competitive Cal team if you keep up with their games, but not a good one, 
How important is it and crucial was it that Auburn went and won that game? Because you now have a chance to be a seven-win team, possibly an eight-win team. But what happens if you had lost that game and you didn't get better from that moment? This could have been a disaster. It really could have. And I think people have already forgotten about that game because it, it was so long ago, right? I mean, that was, that was a long time ago. We're halfway through November. Thanksgiving's next week. But it's crucial that Auburn went and got that win because if you don't win that game, you're sitting at 5-5 five and five right now. Your wins would be UMass, Samford, if it goes the way it already has, Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, in the win against Arkansas on Friday or on Saturday this past weekend. Your five losses would have been Cal, A&M, Georgia, LSU, and Ole Miss. This team would be 5-5. Five and five. Would they still make it to a bowl game? Probably, because you're probably going to beat New Mexico State this weekend. But then you would more than likely lose to Alabama, and you'd be a 6-6 six and six team. And we've talked about on this program what the difference is between 6-6, six and 7-5, six, and 8-4. and, eight and four. Right, We've talked about those differences, and I've asked you to sit there and do this, and if you're listening to me right now, let's do it again. Let's have this little practice real quick. Flash forward two, three more weeks at the end of the season, and look, I'm not counting the bowl game. I know that goes to your wins, but we don't know what bowl game it is. We don't know where they're going. We don't know who they're playing. We don't know who's playing, right, player-wise, coaching-wise. Like, There's so many unknown factors in bowl games nowadays most of them are worthless anyway let's just be real most of them are pointless nobody cares so I don't count the bowl game I'm counting the regular season and the games that matter flash forward two more games at the end of the season picture this Auburn team as six and six after year one and look at the outlook and how you would see the program and see the season wise, right? Would you consider six and six a success with a loss to Cal on the schedule, with losses to Georgia and Alabama on the schedule? What about a loss to Arkansas if Auburn had gone and lost to the Razorbacks on Saturday? How would you look at this team as seven and five, where that is the most likely? scenario right now with a win on the road at Cal a win on the road at Arkansas and the opportunity to go eight and four with a win over Alabama and now look at the season afterwards with that result there's a huge gap between six and six Auburn in 2023 and seven and five Auburn in 2023 and then another big gap in the eight and four Because that one includes a win over Alabama. So that's why games like Cal were so important. And that's why Arkansas this past Saturday was so important. And that's why it's been important for Auburn to get better as the season has gone on. Because they have. That LSU game, that was it. That was the point where Auburn finally started to get better. And no, you didn't win the Ole Miss game. Again, you should have. 
You absolutely should have. You didn't win, but you competed. And you had your chances. And in years to come, those will become wins for Auburn. Not just versus Ole Miss, but against top 15, top 20 teams that you play, future Auburn teams will have the talent to make those plays to win those games. Future Auburn teams will have the players to make those plays and the other coaches to make those decisions. And the things will come together for you to win a game like that. And then you built off of that. And it started to show a little bit of Mississippi State. It started to show on the road at Vanderbilt. And it showed the most we've seen it all year long this past Saturday in Fayetteville, Arkansas. You've got to give credit to the coaching staff and to the players and everybody in the building for this team improving and getting better as the season goes on because that's what good teams do. That's what good teams do. And it's been on both sides. The offense has been more visibly improved, right? They've gotten better more because they started a lot farther back. But the defense has gotten better too. But they've just been playing at a consistently higher level, I think is the best way to put that. But they have gotten better. And the biggest thing for them, the defense has gotten healthy. The defense has gotten healthy. We saw Jalen McLeod win a big award today. We see him healthy now. Austin Keys is healthy. Keontae Scott is healthy. You see that in defense and special teams with the punt return on Saturday. You're seeing everybody start to get healthy. We know Nehemiah Pritchett didn't play a whole lot early on. That was the biggest thing for them, just getting everybody on the field. And now that they are, this is one of the best defenses in the league. He's exactly right. One of the best defenses in the SEC. And it could go down as a really, really top defense in Auburn football history. It may go underrated because the season's not an SEC championship winning team or anything. But this is a really good defense. And I do my absolute best to show the love. And I hope you're seeing that. Because they deserve it. 334-321-1390. That's the number to get you through to me. We're going to get to the phone lines when we come back. We'd love to hear from you as well here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Don't go anywhere. are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Welcome back inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. I'm your man, Jacob Goins. Let's get to the phone lines once again, 334-321-1390. Spectre, you're on the line, man. What's up? Hey Jacob, I can't uh, I can't argue with anything you just said. Everything you said was right on. All right, you know, I, that's what I like to hear, Specter. Yeah, you know <laughs> our defense, our defense in the last ten games has kept our 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 candle lit. Mm-hmm. And and uh, you know if you take out the LSU score, we have a top ten defense. Ain't no doubt about it. I mean we we've, we've killed our opponents less than thirty points, with the exception of LSU. Right. And that's a defense that if you can score 30 points, you're going to win a game. And, you know, of course, our, our offense has been on our Achilles heel all year long. 
and you can narrow it down to the receivers and the quarterback play and and offensive line. But that's gelling right now, and it's coming together. And and I just hope that we can show something in the New Mexico State game that we can carry forward to the Alabama game. Yeah, no, I'm with you, I, and I think that should be that should be the expectation this coming Saturday is. Uh, obviously stay healthy um, that's that's the big one um, and then yeah not not taking a step back and not overlooking a team and I don't think Hugh Freeze will let Auburn overlook New Mexico State because of how talented they are and because of Hugh Freeze's experience playing New Mexico State um, and not having a lot of success and so um, that's what I would want to see defensively and offensively is is the offense to continue to to have the rhythm and some flow maybe put this game away early if that's a possibility I don't know we haven't seen that a whole lot yet Um, we did against Arkansas of course but uh, putting a team away early and everybody staying healthy and the defense continuing to play at a high level that's what I look for against New Mexico State on Saturday yeah you're right Uh, listen let me talk to you about something a little bit a little little different here okay you know yesterday we we talked about uh, um, not me and you, but we, uh, my colleagues and all, we talked about um, Jimbo being fired at A and M. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. All right. Now listen, we got a recruit over at Central Phoenix City, Jim mm-hmm. Col- Coleman. Now me and you have talked about this. I know Col- Coleman is is locked on with Damian Craig at A and M. Mm-hmm. That's the recruiter that got him to go to A&M. Now, Damian Craig is, doesn't have a job, and he's an excellent recruiter. He's an Auburn guy, and we got to – I hope Coach Freeze does everything he can to bring him to Auburn. We need, we need a quarterback coach. I, don't, I know we got one. The offensive coordinator probably is doing it here too. But we don't have a quarterback coach. Bring him in, and you'll bring Coleman to, to Auburn if you bring him to Auburn. If hmm. you bring Craig to Auburn, you'll bring Coleman to Auburn. It's an interesting, and, yeah, it's an interesting uh, um, take, I guess, and kind of a, um, I don't know, I guess a, a, a take on that. And I, I don't I don't fully disagree with it. Yeah, and Craig has always been, I, Craig was with our staff. I can't remember under what coach was it. I don't know if it was Malzahn or was it was Harson. I can't remember. Yeah, he was here. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, he was here before, and he was an excellent recruiter. We lost a lot of recruiters when we changed from Malzahn to Harson. Yeah, that was that would have been the Malzahn era when he was when he was here from like twenty like the twenty thirteen to fifteen, I think. Before uh, I think he went to LSU for a year and then and then moved on to A and M. And Arkansas's uh, defensive coordinator is going to be looking for a job. Yeah, yeah. There's the, there's a lot of people looking for a job right now. And he's an Auburn guy, mm-hmm. Williams. Yeah, well, Williams is. I mean, everybody, it, everybody would love to get him back to Auburn. I think everybody would be would be on that. Um, in whatever way that would be, I don't know. But I mean, if they could find a role for him somewhere, I think everybody would be on board for yeah. that. Yeah. Just to wrap it up, recruiting is the bottom line. And uh, if if you can get the recruits in here, you're going to be victorious. And, yeah. And and we've got to have the recruiters. I mean, we've got a good staff of recruiters right now, but there's some that are that are here or there. But 
you cannot have enough recruiters. And you got to recruit the guys you got on board. You got to keep them from jumping into the portal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you got if you got good ones that are wanting to get more playing time, you got to convince them that Auburn is the place to be. Yep, that's right. And NIL is a big part of that, Specter. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you later. Yep. Thanks for the call. Great to hear from you. 334 321 1390. Would love to get your thoughts on anything we are talking about or anything else on your mind on a Tuesday afternoon. 334 321 1390. Specter's spot on when it comes to uh, recruiting and uh, the fact that, look, you still got to have great players to win football games. Let's just, that has not changed. Okay. That has not changed. But I think we're seeing that just because you have an abundance of four and five stars doesn't mean they're just going to all come together and you're just going to win an abundance of national championships. Right, Jimbo? You got to have a coach and a coaching staff that knows how to coach and knows how to develop and ultimately knows how to win. And that didn't happen at Texas A&M with Jimbo Fisher. He is not a winner. Jimbo Fisher has never been a winner. Yes, he has a national championship. I don't think he had anything to do with that. The only thing he had to do with that was keeping Jameis Winston on the football field to make sure that he won a national championship. He won at all costs. You better believe it, he did. But Jimbo was at Texas A&M, who has some of the most money in all of college athletics and got some of the biggest recruits in the country year after year after year, and the best he could do was 8-4. and four. That's what he was. He was an 8-4 and four coach, always has been and always will be, and if he's smart, he'll never coach a day again of his life. He just got paid 70-something million dollars to go not work. You wouldn't catch me working again, that's for sure. So for Auburn and Hugh Freeze, yeah, you have an opportunity to go get Cam Coleman. But like Spectre said, it wasn't just Jimbo Fisher that the reason he went to A&M. Damian Craig had a huge part in that. was probably the reason he chose Texas A&M. Other than, I'm sure, a decent amount of NIL money, and I don't know the exact amount. But Auburn has a chance to go get him. And whether you do or not, you still have to get the recruits. You still have to get the players to be successful in the SEC, which gets better next year with Texas-Oklahoma, and the college football playoff with an expanded 12-team, and just in college football in general. And I think that you've seen Hugh Freeze and this staff do that in this short amount of time they've been here. And what's the thing that I said will recruit and get guys here the most? Win games. Yeah, they want to see some money. Sure. They want to see some NIL, and I think Auburn has done a fantastic job with that. They've done a great job with NIL. Needs to improve, but it's doing really well. You want to see guys get to the pros. Auburn's putting guys in the pros, and we're going to see what Hugh Freeze and his staff can do about that as well. But the thing that's going to get recruits here is winning some football games. And Auburn is starting to do that. You're starting to see that. You're telling me you don't think recruits saw what Auburn just did when they roasted the Hogs over an open fire on Saturday? They saw that. Look at what happened. 
Auburn has picked up recruits in the last few days. That's what will get them here. And then the NIL. And then getting them to the pros. All of that comes in the same package. But until you can prove that you can get them that NIL money, and until you can prove that you can get them to the pros, win some games. And Auburn's starting to do that. And you have an opportunity to continue to recruit. It's 24-7, 365. Somebody tell Brian Harson that. He may not have to if he takes the Boise job again. I don't know. We'll talk some more Auburn when we come back, plus some basketball talk later on, and we'll have Daryl Dappert, who will join us coming up in hour number two. Don't go anywhere. This is the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Halfway through hour number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, with you in the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio. And want to get to the phone lines and take a sidestep from talking Auburn athletics for just a couple of minutes and cover something that uh, is near and dear to me. Um, it's something that I care greatly about, and it's something that I'm a part of each and every week. And it's Lee Scott Athletics. And this in particular is Lee Scott football as a good friend of mine as well Greg Lane joining us on the phone lines he is the leader of the quarterback club the Red Feather Club for Lee Scott Academy as the Warriors take it on the Gators this Thursday in Montgomery for the state championship Greg great to hear from you man hope you're doing well I'm doing great man and I'm I'm excited I can't wait for this game on Thursday last year was special and I know this 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 year and this game is just as special. And these kids have really gone out there and done a wonderful job and played great. And uh, they're young, and they came out and go nine and one this year with their only blemish being against Glenwood. And I think you know that that was the first time they'd ever been on the road, like we discussed earlier. And I think they're ready. I think they're 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 licking their chops. Yeah, well, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. And, man, I'll just say I've had a lot of fun covering this team and calling the games each and every week and, and traveling around with this team. And, and you mentioned, yeah, we're 9-1 and one on the regular season, got the win last week in the second round, the semifinals uh, of the state playoffs there uh, as we hosted at Judd Scott Field, defeating Fort Dale uh, once again. Um, and, and a really it was a close game at the half, Greg, and then Lee Scott, our boys, turned it on and they get the win uh, there at, at the end of it so yeah back in Montgomery man and it's going to be a really fun game and it's going to be tough Lee Scott's got to play well that's right and you know back when we played them back in week four you had at one time 11 guys on the defensive team defense side of the ball that had never started or played a legitimate minute on the road at all so that that was that was a little they were young but they've grown up they played they've gone on to win their last uh six games very handily Defense has played – they bend a little bit, but they played great. They hadn't given up many points. I mean, they gave up three points. And you got to understand, there was a D1 prospect out there, and they shoved him around the field mm-hmm. like he didn't deserve to be on there. So, that was great to see that. Uh, and the offense has just been clicking along. A running game, uh, you know, just keeps churning up yards. We've got Jake White, who actually leads the state in receiving 
receptions and uh, yardage, and I think he's right up there on touchdowns. I mean, he does it all. Not only does he score running the ball and catching the ball, but he also has a kick return and a punt return this year. Uh, so he's just been a, a one of the a great additions last year on our offense, and just just continues it, and has turned up to be a really great player this year, even better than, I, than anybody can imagine. In our kicking game, our special teams, uh, we have a kicker that's uh, Matt Rolator, who's one of the best in the state. He, uh, he has not yet kicked a ball that did not go in the end zone, and what a weapon that is! Yeah, it's huge. Uh, we he, we talk about that yeah. on the broadcast all the time, and, and head coach Buster Daniel talks about it too. Where you know a team, especially in the high school level, when the defense knows they're starting on the twenty each and every time, and the opposing offense has to start on the twenty each and every time, it's a huge weapon. Because Greg, we've seen Lee Scott this year; they start offensively. I mean, they're starting in between the forties most of the time on either side of the field. That's right. And when you only have to go 40, uh, 55, 60 yards, it's a big difference in having to go 80. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's different in high school where you're starting at 20, not at 25. So that has been a huge weapon. Um, and so Matt has been in a – I'm going to miss him. I mean, there's going to be a lot of guys missing. <laughs> yeah, don't have, for sure. You know, so it's, it's, it's been a great deal. I mean, you know, go on, just talk about Glenwood. I don't know much after what we watch. I don't scout them. I know this is a big rivalry. Uh, and I want to go back a few years ago. I think it's uh, 2021. We played them, and we were not obviously coming off a bad season that year. And I remember getting out of the car and hearing Glenwood saying, "You know, we beat Lee Scott all the time. This game's going to be 40 to nothing. It's going to blow out, and we beat them by a point." And that kind of was the signature win for Coach Daniel, and it just put us on the map. And this, so you had your junior and senior class this year were freshmen and sophomores. Saw us beat Glenwood. And know we can we can play with them, and that was really the game that I think started it off. And this will be our fourth time playing them. Since then, we've we've won three out. Let's see, yeah, we've won three out of the last four. We're going to make it four out of the last five starting tomorrow Thursday night. I hope so, man. It's going to be a lot of fun there uh, in Montgomery at Crampton Bowl. You can catch the radio broadcast of the AISA State Championship game for Class 3A. That'll be Thursday over on the home of the Lee Scott Sports Network for football, AU100. That's 100.3 FM and AU100FM.com. I'll be on the call uh, with my friend Christian Griffin, and we're looking forward to it, Greg, in the final year of uh, both of these programs being in, 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 in the AISA as they both move to the AHSA next season so this is for all the marbles man one team gets to go out on top and kind of be waving on the way out man that's right uh we're going to miss AISA but we you know it's time to move on to bigger and better places and we're going to be excited about moving up to 3A next year uh but like we said we'd love to have one more state championship of the football team this year and I think these boys are ready they you know they the boys I've been talking to they they're excited about it uh, Injury-wise, I mean, I know Coach will catch you up on all that tomorrow night or be on the radio, but I tell you, I think we're all healthy. We have a, we have our uh, Miles Zachary, who didn't get to play against Glenwood. He's back uh, to play this year. So we're completely healthy. I mean, this 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 time around, and we're completely healthy. So, you know, I think we're, we're 100% ready to play. we got everybody ready. We've got guys that may, are probably going to play in both ways that have it, aren't used to it, but we're going to do everything and it, we can. I know Coach Daniel's going to throw – all the marbles at them and then some to get ready for tomorrow. 
Yeah, it's Thursday. A, Thursday. Yeah, that's right. Yep, Thursday night there uh, in Montgomery at Crampton Bowl, and it, it, it's just obvious these are the two best teams in in the AISA, and it's been that way for the last few years. And and look, the roles are kind of reversed, Greg. Where last year, uh, Lee Scott was the team with eighteen seniors and just stacked up with experience. This time it's Glenwood with 18 seniors uh, in the state championship game. And so uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, man. Lee Scott looking for revenge and looking to become back-to-back state champions. I just want to shout you out and everybody at Lee Scott, everybody at the quarterback club, and just uh, what a wonderful uh, school and organization that that you were a part of and that you lead with the Red Feather Club. And, man, I'm really, really looking forward to calling the game on Thursday night. Well, I'm excited. I'm ready to listen to you again, man. You're, you do a great job. It's it's really fun to listen to what you have to say about these kids. And, uh, you know, I appreciate you and I appreciate everything you do for Lee Scott. And, uh, man, let's go get it Thursday night. Looking forward to it. Yes, sir, Greg. Always great to hear from you, man. Appreciate the call. All right, buddy. Thanks, man. See you. That's Greg Lane. He is the uh, head of the quarterback club, the Red Feather Club for Lee Scott Academy. Uh, we meet every week during football season, and and I know we talk Lee Scott here. We don't talk a lot. We cover some high school football, right, between Lee Scott and, of course, Auburn High as well. And and um, Lee Scott's one of those things for me. It's just it's really, really personal. You know, being the voice of Lee Scott has just been such an honor for me, and I love calling the football games and girls and boys basketball and baseball over in the spring, which will be here before we know it, which is crazy. Um, but just something that that has really meant a lot to me in my short, young radio career. And uh, the people at Lee Scott are just super, super special. All the parents and grandparents and teachers, coaches, administrators, uh, and, of course, the kids, man. It's, it's a lot of fun. And I'm very honored uh, to be calling my second straight state championship game for high school football I mean there's there are tons of people that wish they could do that and there are tons of people that want to do that and I'm very very blessed and honored uh, to be able to do that again so you can catch that once again that's Thursday night coming up in just a couple of days uh, in Montgomery at the Crampton Bowl for the final AISA Class 3A state championship game for Lee Scott and Glenwood both of those programs moving to the AHSAA for all sports That'll start June 1, I believe, next summer. And so next fall, everybody will be in AHSAA Class 3A, I believe. So I'm looking forward to that. I appreciate Greg and everything he does for Lee Scott and the quarterback club. And I know he wanted to uh, to call in and talk about it a little bit, and I'm glad he did. So check that out Thursday. As I'll be on the call uh, with Krista Griffin, my color commentator, we'll be calling Lee Scott and Glenwood uh, for the state championship game. And also an update on uh, the other school that we cover, Auburn High, while we're here. Um, They are playing in the second round of the playoffs on Friday. Uh, They beat Baker this last Friday. Uh, A really good game and a huge win for Auburn on the road. Their reward is to go and take on Central, which um, that was a tough game for them. Cam Coleman, who we were just talking about a little bit ago, he had a, a field day. Uh, against Auburn unfortunately he look the kid's good man we know that he's really really good and uh, Auburn just didn't have an answer Auburn high that is and so they will be going at it again Friday night that's on wings 94-3 Scott Bagwell Rob Pate Jack Hutton pregame 630 kickoff at seven for that one just like Lee Scott on Thursday so uh, Greg thanks for calling I appreciate you man always great to hear from you let's get back to the phone lines 334-321-1390 you're on the line who am I speaking with Hey, Jacob, it's John from Auburn, the former voice of the Warriors. There he is. Just there wanted, he is. Just, there you go. Hey, just wanted to let you know that, you know, 
other Lee Scott announcers of years gone by are also envious because not only do you get back-to-back uh, playoff teams and hopefully state championship teams, you know, you figured out a way in year number three, if you stick with it, to get into AHSAA press boxes and not just AISA press boxes. Yeah, I know. So I'm looking I'm forward to that. On that. Yeah, I'm – I said, I'm looking forward to that, man. I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to seeing some new schools and, yeah, new press boxes and, and, and seeing some new teams in AHSAA. Hey, literally, I called a game from the sidelines of Pike Liberal Arts School one time. So. Yeah, I, I have the amount of games I've called from the back corner of end zone so far, at least, Scott, is I, I'm, I'm running out of fingers to count on. Did you ever do opponent's uh, parent section? I did that one time on the road. Yep, I've done but, that. Uh, Yep, yep. Hey, I had a quick question for you. Somebody asked me I didn't know the answer to. In the days of – now that we're in the days of NIL and all this, mm-hmm. when student-athletes come in on official visits, no matter what the sport, is there a stipend given to the student-athletes for that time? I mean, there might be below the table, but above the table, is that a thing that these schools do? So are you? I guess are you asking just like is there – are they covering costs and stuff like that? Right. I know that I know they cover like room and board and, and meals and all that. Is there like a, a, a daily stipend that goes with that too? Or does that just cut off with kind of limited merch and all that? Well, I don't know necessarily on like an actual stipend that's given, but um, right. Christian Clemente, our recruiting guru here that from Auburn 247 that we have on periodically, I've asked him a couple of times to explain this. And the best way for me to explain it, unofficial visits for student athletes are completely on their own time, on their own dollar. It, the school has really nothing to do with it, maybe orchestrating kind of a, a schedule maybe, but no financial assistance there. When it comes to an official visit, um, it's a it's a obviously a college visit that is financed either in full or partially by the school, whether it be travel and food and in housing, right? Whether it be hotel or whatever they're doing, right? That is what the official visit. That's what separates the two is when the school is financing the trip itself and probably paying for most, if not everything, for the trip. So. Uh, I don't know, and that may be up to the school if they are allowed to give sort of a stipend. I don't really know, but that's the best way for me to explain it is the official visit is where the school is basically paying for everything compared to the unofficial visit where it's your time, your dollar, and you're just kind of showing up and doing your own thing. Makes perfect sense. Thank you so much. One other question for you, and I know this is kind of a – Really, really too far ahead of a look ahead. Okay. After, after this winning streak, you start looking at Auburn's 2024 schedule. Mm-hmm. This is the team that's going to be favored in nine or ten games. For 2024? Yes. I think that's a possibility. Yeah, I think it's a, a possibility. You've got, what, Cal coming here with the home-and-home. Home. I'm pulling their schedule right. up right now. You've got New Mexico, uh, not New Mexico State, just New Mexico. Um, yeah, right. you have ULM. Uh, and then we don't know what the the schedule itself will look like. We know the teams. But, yeah, I mean, Arkansas, Vanderbilt, um, Kentucky, uh, Missouri possibly. Um, yeah, I mean. Missouri with a new quarterback, Kentucky. You really don't know what's going to happen there. I think that's a new quarterback with Leary gone. Right. So let's see. I'll give you, let's see, three. Um, I'll say four with Vanderbilt. I'll say five with Kentucky. 
I'll give you six with Missouri. Those are road games, so you got to keep that in mind. Um, yeah. And then I would say, as of right now, your coin flips for 2024 at Alabama, home for Oklahoma, home for Texas A&M, which we don't know what that program's going to look like, um, at Georgia, that's tough. So there's your other four. So, yeah, I think you're, you're kind of on the right track there. So it's, uh, it's really interesting as you look into what a, 20, a, a 25 recruiting class could look like. I mean, all of a sudden you get a 9-10 win team, possibly, in year two with freeze. I mean, sky's the limit, and you're looking at right now an overall, like, number eight average recruiting ranking. You're looking for very, very bright days coming ahead and maybe the, the script being flipped uh, a little quicker than most people could have anticipated. Yeah, I think you're right. I think a 2024 successful season where, yeah, you get eight or nine wins and you beat an Alabama or Georgia on the road, yeah, that could really, really jumpstart and really accelerate uh, recruiting that's already been been in, in, in full gear right now. Exactly. Jacob, thank you for the broadcast. Thank you for the, uh, for the show. You do a very wonderful job. And I'll be honest with you, in listening to college broadcasts across the country, there are – there are many group of five schools in college football that I do not think have the quality broadcast that you have in AISA football. So congratulations and keep up the good work. Well, thank you so much. I really do appreciate that and appreciate the kind words and appreciate you calling in here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, man. It really means a lot to me and and to, to that and for Lee Scott. I'm, I'm very, again, very, very thankful for that opportunity and, and, and just so excited for, for Thursday, man, the state championship. I, I would I would be lying if I said I wasn't slightly nervous, okay? And not nervous being on the air. I've done that plenty of times. But I do get nervous for big games being on the air. But the game itself between Lee Scott and Glenwood, I'm nervous, man. Glenwood's a good team. And it's a state championship. That's as big as it gets in high school football. So um, I'm excited for that. I really do appreciate you calling in and the kind words and sparking up some really interesting conversations there. we got to get to our final break here in hour number one. We've had great calls all day. Would love for you to be one of those as well. 334-321-1390. We'll come back and wrap up hour number one on the other side. are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. All right, a couple of minutes here in our number one on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. I appreciate you all joining me on ESPN 1067, ESPNAU.com, and the ESPN 1067 app. An interesting conversation was just sparked up there, and I know we only have a couple of minutes uh, before we get to our number two. And I don't want to look too far ahead because we do have two weeks left of the regular season. But we've had multiple calls about recruiting today, and the 2024 schedule for Auburn was just brought up for football. And we know that this season in 2023, you're looking at seven and five, hopefully eight and four, right? If you get the upset over Alabama and the Iron Bowl. But when you pull up next year's schedule, just for fun, right? For conversation, for sake of, of a little bit of fun here on the radio, we know Auburn's opponents and we know their first three games. We don't know, what, or not their first three, but we have their first two, and then we have the later smaller non-conference game before the Iron Bowl. We have Cal, New Mexico, and ULM. 
Those are your three non-conference games next year for Auburn. You should win those games. You should be favored and win those games, right? So there's three. And what brought this up was the recruiting aspect of things, right? If you can build off of 2023 and carry that into 2024 and put together some wins, and let's, for okay, for sake of argument here for the next couple of minutes, let's say Auburn goes 7-5 and five this season. I'm not counting the bowl games. I don't care. The bowl games are dumb, okay? Unless you're in a New Year's Six Bowl or the playoff, everything, all the other bowl games are pointless. For regular season, let's say Auburn goes 7-5. and five. You beat New Mexico State this Saturday and you lose to Alabama in the Iron Bowl. That's the most common and the most likely outcome. 7-5 and five is good in year one. That's cool. That gets the job done. You would like to see with some of the recruits that are coming in, with the talent coming in, and some question marks around the SEC, you would like to see a two-win improvement. Get nine wins and then truly beat somebody you're not supposed to beat. And maybe even two. Maybe those two extra wins are teams that you are not supposed to win, right? Teams that you're not supposed to beat. Because I talked about that this year. Getting one of those would jumpstart the reboot process for Auburn. And I know you beat Arkansas, but... Auburn should have beaten Arkansas, and they should have been favored against Arkansas, and you saw that with the final score. But looking at 2024 quickly here, Cal, New Mexico, ULM, all wins. We don't know what the SEC schedule layout is going to look like, but we have the games and where they're going to be played. Auburn has some tougher games. You're at Alabama. You're at Georgia. Those are both tough. You're at Kentucky and at Missouri. Are they going to be easy? No, not by any means. But then you have Vanderbilt at home. That should be a gimme. Texas A&M at home? Who knows? Oklahoma will be interesting. And you should beat Arkansas at home. I think you could find nine wins on that schedule next season. I'm not trying to look that far ahead, but I thought it was an interesting thing that got brought up, and I did want to mention it. As we get into hour number two, phone lines are blowing up. I must have said something. I don't know. We're going to get to both of those calls when we come back to start hour number two. Plus, Daryl Daprich will join us in hour number two as well. Don't go anywhere. Hour number two coming up. on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 
Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well as we get underway here in hour number two on the uh, ESPN 106.7. This is the Tuesday edition of On the Line. I'm your man Jacob Goins with you inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio. If you missed any of hour number one, be sure to uh, go and catch up with the show on demand as a podcast wherever you get your podcast. Just search On the Line or go to ESPNAU.com. It's our station website. You can find it right there posted commercial free after each and every show so be sure you do that uh we had lots of great phone calls in hour number one talking auburn arkansas uh talking some recruiting as well uh, we had a lot to talk about in that first hour so many great calls we talked a little lee scott football as well uh, as my warriors will be uh taking on glenwood the gators in the state championship game on thursday and so uh, we had greg lane who is uh, ahead of the quarterback club there for lee scott so he joined me on the show a little bit talking some lee scott football so that was all back in hour number one we're about to get to the phone lines got a couple of people waiting here in hour number two and then daryl dapperich will join us coming up at 3 30 so excited to talk to him as we do every single tuesday but let's get to the phone lines and jones you've been waiting through the break man you're on the line what's up how you doing young fella i'm good man what's on your mind well real quick i i'm not at all assuming that auburn's going to beat New Mexico State, but because we're Auburn and they're in New Mexico State, we should whip them handily. Correct. Now, having said that, I think these teams, if you'll go back and look at October 28th against Mississippi State on through last Saturday and this upcoming Saturday, Mm -hmm. we have a perfect scenario for scout team play of quarterbacks that we're going to face to help us beat Jalen Milrow. For example, Mike Wright from Mississippi State can throw and run, Obviously, he's not Jalen Milrow. Then you got Walter Taylor at Vanderbilt, very similar style. Then you got KJ, the guy from Arkansas who was preseason All SEC. Then next, then we're going to have Diego Pavia Saturday night. Perfect scenario for getting Auburn's defense and Ron Roberts guys ready to face Jalen Milrow. What better scenario could you have for Auburn's defense to be planning and have preparation? For Jalen Milrow. What are your thoughts? I like that. I like that a lot, actually. And you mentioned it already. Of course, none of those quarterbacks that you named, I think, are playing to the level of, of Jalen Milrow. I think everybody can agree on that. Um, but the style of play is very similar for a lot of them. And um, I think Auburn's defense has been very, very good and disciplined with any of the running quarterbacks they've had to deal with this year. Uh, I mean, I know Jaden Daniels kind of got his with LSU, but um, I mean, you had Jackson Dart, who's not afraid to run it. I don't think Auburn's defense allowed him to beat him with his legs. Um, and I know the A&M game was kind of weird because you had the backup quarterback come in and kind of do some things. But overall, I think Auburn's defense has been very, very uh, disciplined. They've stayed home. And as I've mentioned in my weekly talks with Eugene Asante, the Auburn linebacker, they've had to go into most of these games, Jones, preparing for multiple quarterbacks because they don't know who they're going to see due to injuries. And I think they've handled that perfectly so far this season. Exactly. And I think with what you got happening offensively, Auburn is on a major confidence uptick. And I think, you know, I think we're going to be catching the ball much better going forward. And I think, again, what we just described about the opposing quarterbacks, this is a perfect scenario to set up an incredible Iron Bowl this year. And what better would you have than, a, than like I said, the test, 
that are provided by these type of quarterbacks. And Saturday night, we're going to be facing one probably better than all the other ones we've mentioned with what he's doing you know, with his legs and his arm. Yeah, So uh, I think you're right about that. put that out there. And I want to put that out there. Enjoy the show. I can't wait to hear Daprich. Appreciate it, man. Thanks, Jones. It's always great to hear from you on the phone lines. 334-321-1390. We've got another caller who is waiting in on the phone lines. You're on the line. Who am I speaking with? Hey, this is Andy. How are you? Hey, Andy. Yes, sir. I'm good. How are you? What a fun uh, weekend when um, Auburn can do that at halftime, huh? Yeah, did you did you predict that? I can't remember. Did you predict the, the, the 48 points for Auburn offensively, Andy? Not close. <laughs> yeah, we we both said we wouldn't touch it, and we didn't absolutely know not. Else. No, um, I uh uh-uh, no way. But hey, I'm glad. But, I wish we would have now. Yeah, I mean of the of the, uh, you know, it it was in a parlay with Missouri, and um, but Ole Miss, Ole Miss let me down. Oh, um, which which leads me to my next um, thing, and I'll try to be quick about this. Is uh, I I don't like where college football is going. Um, with the, I don't mind paying the players a little bit, but when some 18-year-old kid that hasn't done any, I didn't like it when they paid uh, NFL players, you know, millions of dollars before they even played out there. Uh, mm-hmm. Who was that LSU quarterback that held out for a while, um, like two decades ago? Oh um, yes, yes, big, big boy. Yeah, you know he he held out and then he couldn't even, you know, that. Listen, once in a while when that stuff happens, that's life, but. When a normal person like you and I see that every day, um, I went to a basketball game the other day and got to buy beer, which was awesome. But when a beer, when one beer costs as much as it did as a, as a six pack, um, again, I know what we're paying for. I, I know what goes into it, but um, also with seeing you know this coach getting fired and Auburn's the, the king of that, you know, yes. uh, yeah. paying seventy seven million dollars. Like the normal person is going to get tired of all this money while we're struggling buying a hot dog or a beer, you know, and I don't see anything happen next year, but if this just continues where college football and NFL just throws away millions and millions of dollars at things that fail, um, yeah, maybe the, the rich and powerful can keep it going, but I just, I fear the common person, especially with the less hitting and every high five turns into a flag and, Every touchdown gets replayed and taken back almost. It's just, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Because um, I just, this firing coaching thing is just ridiculous of these smart, smart, supposedly smart people making these decisions. Um, you know, if everyone keeps firing their coaches, we're mm-hmm. going to be back where we're at, you know, five years ago. If we, if we <laughs> yeah. pay every player a million dollars, we're going to be back where we were before anyone got paid, you know? The same thing, it's just every player gets a million dollars. It just seems like a a bunch of waste, and that's not what college sports has been its entire existence. And money seems to ruin everything. So your thoughts on that, but, um, man, it's just uh, we needed this. Everyone needed that Auburn win and and love it. Where you go, and I'll listen to what you have to say if there's anything, any input on what I was talking about with the money and the players. And yeah, the absolutely. Absolutely. I'll definitely comment on that, Andy. Great to hear from you here on the show. 334-321-1390. Uh, quickly on the Auburn-Arkansas, uh, yes. Much-needed win. I think it's it's nice to have not only a win. How about a winning streak? Uh, you're officially to three, which is my definition of a winning streak. And Auburn's on one right now. And it's not just a winning streak. I've talked about how everything – 
sort of seemed to come together on Saturday for Auburn. All these things that Hugh Freeze has talked about in his weekly press conferences and the coaches have talked about and the players have talked on what they're learning and what they're focusing on and what they're implementing and what they're trying to do in practice and in games, right? All of that came together on Saturday for the first time, and I think that's a huge milestone very early on in this Hugh Freeze era at Auburn. But to his Andy's point about just college football and college sports, really, but football is obviously the main one when it comes to the money side of things, this is where you start getting into the economical side of things and you start looking at the financial parts. And look, let me go ahead and just get this out of the way. There is absolutely no political undermining here. I'm not throwing politics at you because I don't care about any of it. I really don't. This is specifically with where college football came from, where it is now, and where it's heading. Years and years and years ago, right before NIL was a thing, let's go back 20, you know, 15 years, right? We'll go back 15 years. From that point, I was never a fan, My, me personally, and I know everybody's different and has their different reasonings. Me personally, I was never a fan of paying college athletes because that was the one true thing that separated professional athletes. We'll just stick for foot to football for now to make it easy. That was the one thing, the main thing, that separated NFL players, NFL teams, and NFL organizations, and the game itself in the National Football League. That's what separated all of that from the beauty of college football, was the money aspect going to the players. Right, I said for years, before I got on the radio, of course, I said it would ruin the game of college football. It would ruin it. I said it would ruin it, and it would destroy what we loved so much about the game. And as the years went on, as this NIL conversation really started to heat up, we'll go back five years, right, when these conversations first started to to start being had at the dinner table or had at the bar or had at a game, right? Well, man, what if that guy got paid for his name to be on the back of my kid's jersey? Like, what? Maybe he should get a little bit of money for that, right? People started to, to have these conversations. And as they went on, I started to, to kind of lean in to say, okay, look at how much schools are making off these kids. Look at how much TV is making a TV and radio are making off these kids, how much branding and merchandising companies are Nike and Under Armour and Adidas and whatever other company out there, how much millions and millions and really billions with a B in profit and revenue that these people and companies were making off of this 18, 19 year old kid with his name, his image and his likeness. And so I said, okay, you know what? They should get a cut, especially if you're going to be using them on your video game or you're going to be using them in your graphic or whatever the case may be. But I said it had to be done the right way. And we've talked about this at, at just endless times, right? We, we've had this conversation where it was not done correctly. It wasn't. It wasn't done correctly. And that is on the NCAA. It's on the legislators because 
they went back and forth and big states like Texas said, yeah, you're not going to tell us what to do. And they did it anyway. And the NCAA is worthless, so they couldn't do anything about it. But to kind of get back to what Andy was talking about where, yeah, you go to a basketball game or a football game this time next year in Jordan-Hare and you can buy a, you can buy a beer if you want to. It's going to cost you 8 or $9, but you can buy one. Everything's expensive now, though, right? That's just, that's the economy. And again, this is not political by any means. That, that's just the truth. I don't care. That's the truth, man. Go to the grocery store. Things are expensive. But things have always been expensive at sporting events, but they continue to go up. But here's the thing. Money runs all sports. Money runs everything. And it's really running college football right now. Look at the television deals. Look at the college football playoff. It's expanding. Why is it expanding? They don't care that more teams get in. They don't care that other schools are happy. They don't care if Notre Dame gets in because they're not in a conference. They're not doing it so three SEC teams can get into the college football playoff. That's not the reason. The reason for that... It's because you have more games, and more games mean more television broadcast and radio broadcast and media coverage. And what that means is views and listens and overall just impressions. That's a word being used now with social media. And all of that brings in money, which is what runs it all. It's what runs it all. It runs professional sports. It runs college sports. It's starting to run high school sports. Because that's what people care about. That's what the people who are over all of these things care about. Because that's what makes the world go round. I don't like it. I don't. I don't like it. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. But it's where we are. It's where we're heading. And Andy brought up a decent point about, you know, eventually... Will these big-name companies and big-name donors, will they finally, will they kind of slow down when they, because when you're investing in a program or a player or even a coach right now like we're seeing, it's all a gamble, right? You are risking your money and hoping for a big return. This is an investment, and investments are gambles. They are, whether it's your retirement account, or whether you're in Vegas putting 100 on black. It's a gamble, but also an investment at the same time. And so at what point at what point does a donor say, man, I'm tired of dropping a million dollars on this NIL collective for X name school to go after these big players and they're just not panning out? Or, man, we're tired of paying $20, $50 million for coaches to not coach here anymore. Because Auburn used to be the king of it. I think I saw a stat the other day when Jimbo Fisher got fired that Auburn had been the leader in the biggest payout of a coach to not coach, and it was Gus Malzahn near $21 million. And Texas A&M shattered that record. They're paying Jimbo Fisher over $75 million to not coach. Do we realize how absurd that is? But here's the question. Will that, be the, will that be the case? Will that be 
the, for lack of a better phrase, the straw that breaks the camel's back, right? Is that going to be the scenario where people take a step back and say, okay, maybe we shouldn't pay coaches that much money guaranteed? And which athlete is it going to be in NIL that says, okay, he was a flop. This school paid him $5 million in NIL money. And he didn't do squat. He didn't do anything. He was supposed to be the biggest quarterback in the country. He was going to come in and win national championships and win a Heisman Trophy, go to the NFL. We paid $5 million and got him to come to our school And he flopped. Where will that be? Or will it happen? That's the biggest question. I just don't know if it will. I don't know. I go back and forth on this all the time. Because I would like to think, for me personally, if I just had to write a check for $78 million to tell a dude to pack his bags and get in the U-Haul and drive away... I think I would take a step back for a second and think, okay, let's try and not do that again. But there's a lot more people out there with a lot more money than I have that don't think that way and don't necessarily care. And that's what's crazy about where college football is. It just continues to grow. It just continues to grow. Will it eventually level out with NIL and with coaches' salaries and with how much money schools and organizations are making? Maybe. Or it may just continue to grow and and never end. That's what it seems like right now. Every year, NIL deals get more. Prices go up. Ticket prices go up. Beer prices go up. Merchandise prices go up. Coaches' salaries go up. Player salaries and the professional levels go up. I mean, look at professional athletes in the NBA. These guys are signing $700 million deals. Look at the NFL. They're doing the same thing for high-level quarterbacks. The money's only going to go up because that's what runs everything, and it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy, and I don't know how to fix it. I don't have enough money to fix it. I don't know. But I think it sparks interesting conversations, and, and there's so many directions to go And I don't know how you stop it. I don't know how you fix it. Because I do think it's ruining college football. What the college football of twenty years ago is gone. I mean, you you kiss that goodbye. That's never coming back. Playing with heart, passion, playing the game because you love it, playing the game because you want to make it to the next level to then make money and take care of your family. Yeah, that's that's not happening. That's not gonna happen. You still have guys like that, but those guys will continue to dwindle out they'll continue to fizzle out and that's sad man because that's what college football and that's what made it so special for me at least growing up 334-321-1390 we got to get to our first break I went way long here to start hour number two got a few minutes if you want to join me on the phone lines 334-321-1390 Daryl Dapperich joins me at 330 so we got a little time if you want to join in here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line You are on the line on ESPN 1067 Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. 
Let's get back to the phone lines here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, 334-321-1390. Terry, you're on the line. You got some comments about uh, what I was just talking about there. Yeah, Jacob, that, and, and this simply put, the Jimmy Sexton's the world and the other agents out there will not allow it to go anywhere but up. That That is that is a very, that is very your, good point to bring up. You're absolutely there, right. There's your, there's your bottom line right there. Because you're cutting into their salary and their and I don't know this. Maybe you could tell me is is, Jim, is Jimmy Sexton Jimbo Fisher's representative? Uh, I don't know that off the top of my head. I'm sure I can I find out. Is. I bet he is too. I mean, and, and you know what, but, Terry? Um, that that's something I didn't even think about. It. I've thought about it in the past, but during that conversation, no, I didn't think about it. That is a excellent, excellent point because that's their livelihood. That's their job. And credit to them. And shoot, they're doing a a heck of a job right now, man. I mean, they're getting people the most money we've ever seen when it comes to coaches and players. No, Jake, you got it right the first time. They're doing a hell of a job. That's (laughs) as simple as that. Uh, So, uh, listen, nobody had a bigger smile on their face than Jimmy Sexton when Jimbo Fisher took that $76 million buyout. Uh, He is, by the way. Jimmy Sexton does have Jimbo Fisher. So, there you go. Yeah. I thought he had all of Nick Saban's disciples, and including Nick Saban, quite honestly. So he's, and he's, yeah. he, he has like ninety percent of the SEC, I think. Yeah, he's got a lot of them, and there's there's a handful of guys like him between college and and NBA, NFL. That man, they're they're look, they are good at what they do, man. They are good at what they do, and they're doing it to the highest level we've ever seen. And that's a huge factor that you're you're spot on with. Those guys aren't going to let it go down anywhere, and why would they? The professional ranks, isn't it Scott Boris in his name? Yeah, he's one of them. Uh, there's also uh, Rich. There's uh, Rich Paul from uh, from the NBA that he he's has he has all the big NBA clients and all the big NBA players. Yeah, it is. those guys aren't going to let that happen because it's cutting into their salary and their their Lamborghinis and their you know million dollar homes and and all that. And that that's as simple as it. They going nowhere but up. And it's you're right. It's scary to think where it could end up. It really is. I mean, yeah, you're going to be seeing – I mean, I've talked about this with the NFL and NBA, and I know we've been talking mostly college here, but with the NFL and NBA, I mean, it'll be – I'm thinking three, maybe four years before you see the first billion-dollar contracts started to be signed. And I know these are over, you know, six, seven, eight, ten years, but, I mean, you're going to start seeing guys sign contracts on the dotted line to get paid a billion dollars with a B, man. That's just unbelievable. It's unimaginable. Otani's going to approach it. I think, well, I think he's, I've said this back when that was all happening, and it still is, but he's almost too expensive, man. Nobody can afford him. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Jacob. I appreciate it, man. Thanks, Terry. That's a really good uh, really good point there that, that I didn't think about, and that definitely plays into to all of this where, I mean, wh- yeah, why would an agent like, again, like Rich Paul from the NBA who is over, I mean, literally some of the biggest athletes in the world, why would he allow teams to pay athletes less? Like, it's not going to go down. And it's going to start happening in the same way with NIL in college sports, right? Because that's not necessarily driven by agents. I think right now what that's being driven by is competitiveness and success. Because think about it. Just take Auburn's NIL collective onto victory, right? Take that one and compare it to whatever other SEC school you want to, Alabama, Georgia, A&M, whatever, right? What is driving donors right now to donate money? 
Why would you donate more money than the other school? To get the best players. Why? Because the best players are supposed to bring you wins. And wins mean national championships, and it means fame and fun and in the whole nine yards as a fan, right? That is what's driving NIL to just continue to grow. And what's going to stop that? Sure, if a player flops, somebody, somebody may back off. But that person that donated a million dollars, when they step away, you're telling me a school like Auburn can't find them another one? You're telling me that A&M can't find another person to sign a million-dollar check? That's what's driving the market up right now in NIL is the urge to win and get the best players to do it. It's crazy, man. Crazy where we are in the world of college sports. When we come back, Daryl Dapperts, Double D, will join us, and we'll talk all things Auburn athletics, football, and basketball when we come back here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. We've got 30 more minutes here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. And we've been doing that a little bit today, man. We've been on fire in here. It's been a lot of fun. And I appreciate you joining me all show long here on ESPN 106.7. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio. They're our wonderful studio sponsor each and every day between 2 and 4 p.m. here on ESPN 106.7. And a guy that joins us every Tuesday at 3.30, he tells it like it is, and he never holds anything back i've never heard him hold a back thing back once it's daryl dapperich double d joining us on the phone lines daryl great to hear from you brother i hope you're doing well man great i appreciate the introduction and uh yeah it's great to talk to you it's you know it's one of those weekends as it wraps up and you think about any kind of appearances that you're going to have on talk radio you're like it's going to be a lot of fun because that was starting from friday night really starting from early signing period for Auburn basketball mm-hmm. through Sunday night. It was just a great night, a great night if you were an Auburn supporter. And and that's across the board, on the field, off the field, on the court, off the court. It was just one of those rare things when the stars aligned and um, the momentum and it's just building. And, you know, the funny thing about that, Jacob, is it was exactly a year ago last Saturday that you kind of saw the first glimmer of hope. If you were an Auburn football fan with Cadillac taking Auburn, beating Texas A&M, the, you know, the, the exposure that that got, the, the hope and the kind of love and commitment and serving attitude that that brought about. And that, that was exactly 365 days from last Saturday. And I think it was just very symbolic how that all kind of came full circle a year later where Auburn is athletically. Uh, it's pretty pretty neat to watch. Yeah, it's crazy how how it works out that way sometimes. And and Auburn was able to uh, honor that that uh, 365 day uh, turnaround with their performance in Fayetteville. Auburn football, of course, went on the road to take on Arkansas, the Hogs, and Daryl. This game was out of reach immediately. Auburn just put it on the Hogs. It was 21-zip before anybody could turn around, and Auburn wins 48-10. to Just your, your takeaways from, yet again, another beatdown for Auburn against Arkansas there in Fayetteville. 
most complete game of the season, period, uh, all three phases. And you could even peel that onion back a little bit more and say from an offensive standpoint, very complete because there was balance. So you have a great offensive performance where you're extremely balanced. You, defensively, you get turnovers, you get sacks, you stop the run, you contain K.J. Jefferson. I mean, you couldn't have drawn it up any better. And then special teams, McPherson remains perfect. And Keontae Scott, as we kind of predicted, as I kind of felt like was going to happen on Zach's show Friday, I locked on Auburn. I, you know, I talked about Auburn having the special teams advantage. And Keontae Scott finally houses one. You could just see it coming. He was just so close. Finally. A couple times, and he finally did. And so that was a complete performance. And look, you know, it's going to sound like a broken record. I don't care that it's Arkansas. And for anybody that wants to say, oh, Auburn's won three in a row, but they've won over, you know, Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, Arkansas, bottom feeders. Okay, I get it. They're beating who they're supposed to beat, but it's how they're doing it. None of those games seem close in the fourth quarter. Now, Mississippi State was a you know, a two-score game. Could have could have, you know, Mississippi State could have cut it to one score. Vanderbilt never felt in doubt. And then this game, third quarter, over. How nice was it mm-hmm. to just worry about what you were going to choose as a snack and your beverage of choice in the third quarter instead of worrying about if Auburn can close or not. It is so much fun to sit back and watch a football game knowing it's over over in the third quarter, and now let's watch some young kids play. Now let's see who's going to come in at quarterback, you know, that kind of thing. That was a complete performance. And I don't that Arkansas team, people can say what they want. They said they quit, blah, blah, blah. They, they lost to, by three at Alabama, and they just went to the swamp and beat Florida. So they're fully capable of beating you. There's no doubt. In fact, I thought that game was going to be close. So to, to think that's not a, that's a team that, yeah, they only had one win but in, in the conference, but they played everybody in doubt late in the fourth quarter, including the hottest team in the SEC right now in Alabama. And Auburn absolutely boat raced them. I mean, it was over in the third quarter. The fans were leaving. So complete performance, exactly what you want. Now you just got to take care of business at home against New Mexico State. You don't want that letdown. You want to try to win. You want to try to get close to covering. And so that the Iron Bowl gets set up as a game that, you know, coming in with a four-game winning streak. But it's nice to get that bowl eligibility out of the way. It really is. To have that already in your back pocket and just try to improve on that is pretty special. The way that I've described it early on this week as we're two days into the week, Daryl, I've described it as – Everything finally, for the first time this season, all facets of the game and everything that the coaching staff has been preaching and implementing and trying to implement, it all finally just came together for Auburn and Fayetteville on Saturday. And that's how you get a 38-point victory on the road in the SEC. And a game, Daryl, that you were the underdog going to Fayetteville on Saturday. What do you think attributes to all of it really coming together and Auburn just finally figuring it out on Saturday against Arkansas? You freeze cracked the code in his press conference when he said we probably could have won a couple more games if I would have done and put my foot down earlier. And that's code for he's gotten more involved with the game plan, period. He's gotten more involved with play calling, schemes, he, his fingerprints were all over those drives. The slant off the RPO 
fake read option to Caleb Burton for 45 yards. I have been begging for that. I've watched so many other teams run that to success because you either play the running back or you crash on the quarterback and the secondary. It freezes the secondary. Mm-hmm. Exactly what happened. And Burton got behind the safety. The, the, the pass to Fairweather off the RPO. The little swing pass. Perfect play call. You know, the Javarius Johnson pumps fakes to the left, comes back to the right. How about the backside screen pass? to Javarius Johnson yeah. early in the second quarter that looked so much like the carry-on Johnson backdoor screen pass from Stidham against Georgia. I think carry-on just ran by your window. He's still running. That play <laughs> was huge. It has a wall of blockers. I'm like, where have these things gone? They've worked in the past. And swing passes to Jarquez Hunter, throwing to the tight end in the red zone. Look, you could have a checklist of things that people were screaming for early on, that, that Hugh Freeze is now doing and implementing and making Thorne look so much more comfortable because Jarquez is having such great success. It's The offense looks balanced. It looks less unpredictable. And here's the thing that, that I want to touch on real quick because it's so much fun to be talking about bowl games. Recruiting, transfer portal, and where you might go for a bowl game are yes. three of my favorite things about college football. So here's the thing. Two weeks ago, Auburn would have been lucky just to be SEC 8 or 9 as far as their choice. Look at how the pecking order has fallen out. If Auburn wins Saturday, they leap Kentucky, Florida. We know Arkansas and Vanderbilt aren't going to a bowl. And Mississippi State, question mark. They have to, they have to beat Ole Miss to be bowl eligible. Ain't happening. They'll handle Southern Miss, and that ain't happening. So Auburn now becomes more desirable than five teams, two of which cannot go. Texas A&M, question mark. Does Texas A&M become more desirable? An apathetic fan base that their, their coach just got fired with an interim coach with a lot of, not a lot of life, but compared to Auburn, who's trending upwards, A&M may have a better record at the end of the year than Auburn. May not. May lose to LSU. And Auburn, you know, who knows? Auburn and A&M may have the same record. But even if they aren't, if A&M's 8-4 and four and Auburn's 7-5, and five, who is a bowl going to look at as trending upwards and more desirable right now with a passionate fan base and not an apathetic fan base because they fired their coach? Auburn. Mm-hmm. Auburn slots at that point, Jacob, to SEC 5, right? And then that's, that becomes Gator Bowl, Music City Bowl. When we were thinking Duke's Mayo or Birmingham Bowl, there's a lot of options. And if they upset Alabama and go 8-4, and four, you're talking New Year's Day, not a New Year's 6, but a – an outback bowl, something like that. Right. So there's a lot, especially if, but the SEC is not going to get two teams in the playoff this year. But there, there is there is some really exciting bowl projections now that Auburn can only improve on with a win Saturday and a good performance in the Iron Bowl. There is, and I think, you know, I was talking earlier about the bowl games and kind of just talking about Auburn's record at the end of this season and sort of the, the outlook of the season, and I wasn't including the bowl game record because – they're just so unpredictable with bowl games, right? Where you're going to go, who you're going to be playing, who will be playing in the game, right, with with players and what coaches are going to be there. I mean, there's so many things unpredictable. 
but you said the magic word in recruiting, and I think that's a big part of this, and we've already seen that pick up for Auburn over the last couple of days thanks to a game you win against Arkansas, and you might see some more if you get to the bowl game or when you get to the bowl game, I should say, and we've seen recruiting continue to roll down the tracks for Hugh Freeze and Auburn so far over the last week or so, Daryl. Well, let's be honest. There's something brewing right now with all the emojis and the Perry Thompson tweeting out a oh, yeah. picture. And there's some there's some back channel things that happening that there could be some more flips coming. We'll just leave it at that. The three guys that Auburn got over the weekend, Friday starting with Laquan Patterson, very good safety, JUCO safety, the best uh, JUCO safety in the country, plug-and-play guy, can come in and play right away. Of course, you get the big flip with Jamonta Waller, four-slash-five-star on some services from Florida, Go commits to Florida, flips to Auburn, edge guy, elite edge guy. I mean, like the guy, kind of guy you need in the SEC to get after the quarterback. And then Ryan G, I think is how it's pronounced, the 2025 four-star tight end, big kid from Georgia, mm-hmm. prototypical tight end, really a good guy in, in Freeze's system. Some more guys could pop. You're close, man. December 20th is early signing day. We're, we're within that six-week window. Transfer portals December 5th, unless you play at Mississippi State or Texas A&M, and then you're immediately eligible. Look, the fact that Auburn's going to be playing in a bowl game and practicing for a bowl game while portal season and recruiting season is going on, you talk about the most wonderful time of the year. It should be a Hallmark movie, man, a Hallmark Christmas. <laughs> this is going to be – if you're an Auburn fan and then you got basketball, a, a good-looking basketball team at Bruce Pearl on top of it, the next month through, the, through January 1 with bowl preparation, bowl location, recruiting, signing day, and portal, man, is it going to be exciting and are your phone lines going to be lighting up? I can't wait, man. And there's nobody that gets us hyped up more for that than Daryl Daprich, who's joining us on the phone lines. Of course, Montgomery Radio legend, and he joins Zach Blackerby on Locked on Auburn on Fridays and in postgame shows for Auburn football and for Auburn basketball. And I want to get to that quickly, Daryl, as we saw Auburn, of course, drop their season opener against Baylor. They had their uh, home opener on Friday against Southeast Louisiana and wasn't the most spirited performance or maybe the most clean performance by Auburn Uh, they did get the win and now they travel up to Brooklyn taking on Notre Dame on Thursday but uh, what are you thinking on this team right now as they sit one and one and kind of kind of reeling as they're getting off to a a slower start this season love the talent love the depth just going to take a little while to mesh they're going 10 or 11 deep so people's roles need to be filled need to be identified so that's why I think you're seeing that happen I think I think Auburn emotionally was a little bit flat in that Southeast Louisiana game because of what happened at, against Baylor. I think Auburn felt like they were going to win that game. They All the way up until two minutes left to go in that game, they were up nine at halftime. And I think that the residual effects, that game stung a little more than people would have thought with it being an opener because Auburn had a chance to knock off uh, you know, Baylor, top right. 20 team, and should have and looked better than them for 38 minutes. I think that residual carried over to Friday night. They were a little bit flat. They were a little bit snake bit, a little bit stung by that. Notre Dame will get your attention in Brooklyn. Notre Dame has a huge contingency of fans and alumni in New York, in the New York area. And so Auburn will be ready to play uh, Thursday night. I love 
this team. I, I think it's just going to be one of those teams that by the time the SEC season gets here, they're going to be light years ahead of where they are right now. It's going to take a little time to mesh and for everybody to kind of get their roles defined. And when they do, this has a chance to be a special team. It really does. Is there one player in particular, Daryl, that is either already performing at a high level two games in or or maybe sort of waiting to, to burst onto the scene? Is there one particular player that has to be a part of the game plan offensively and defensively for Auburn to be successful this season? I do. I, I, they're so deep that it could be anybody ever died. I've been really pleased, obviously, with Holloway. He's been as advertised. Chad Baker, Mazzara, I think he's over-exceeded expectations. I think Denver Jones has played at the level everybody thought. But I want to see more from Jalen Williams and Chaney Johnson. And they both play the four position. So it, it'd be different if one was a three and one was a four and you had somebody else, right, mm-hmm. playing really well. They're both at the four. And Auburn needs more from the four. And I think, you know, it's early. I think Jalen Williams will, will, will be that guy. And Chaney Johnson, who got 11 rebounds, just can't put it in the hole yet. I think it'll come. But that needs to happen. For Auburn to get where they need to be or want to be in the regular season, in any postseason tournaments, and in the NCAA tournament, you got to get more out of the four position. Kind of like you needed to get more out of the two guard last year, and Auburn addressed that with Denver Jones. I think you need to get that, I think you need to get that taken care of, and the four needs to, to step up a little bit. Well, it's been, I mean, how many times have we uh, on this show and just Auburn people in general been begging Jalen Williams to kind of get a little bit more fight in him, right, and come out and play with a little bit of urgency and aggressiveness because, man, we know when he starts playing at the highest level, he can be one of the best players on the floor in any game he that he's playing you. in. He can, yeah, he can carry you. He had spurts last year mm-hmm. where he would go for like 14 in, in like 10 minutes, and you'd be like, holy, but then he'd disappear. And yeah. he, he'd end up with 16. In the game. And so you need to sustain that. And even if he can't, if he just can get you double digits and then Chaney Johnson can come off the bench and get you eight and get you six boards, then you're getting the kind of production you need out of that four position. And you're going to need that to compete in the SEC. Auburn taking on Notre Dame on Thursday up at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. Looking forward to that. And then uh, they'll either play Oklahoma State or St. Bonaventure. Winners will play each other and losers will play each other there for Auburn basketball. It's a fun time to be covering Auburn. And, Daryl, you do it better than everybody. We appreciate you, man. And it's always just so much fun to talk to you. And as over the next couple of months, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm so blessed to have you on, on my team and have you a part of my show each Tuesday, man. Let everybody know where they can find you and everywhere you are throughout the week. It's going to be a busy week. I'll be on Zach's show regular Friday morning, Locked on Auburn. I'll be on the reaction show Thursday night for Auburn basketball, Friday night for Auburn basketball reaction show, Sunday morning football reaction show, Monday mornings with our good friend Ben Taylor on News Talk and then with you on Tuesday afternoon. So it's crazy. Save my seat. Keep it warm Saturday, brother. We're back up in the press box. Yes, so, uh, we are. Get those get those little rye bread snacks. Let's roll. <laughs> I'll make a stop at the gas station on the way to Jordan Stadium, go. man. Daryl, looking forward there to you seeing go. you Saturday and talking to you next All Tuesday, right, man. All right. Have a great one. That's Daryl Dapper. It's Double D, man. What well, I mean, just a fantastic guy. I love him so much. He is he is one of the best in the business, and uh, just so thankful for his time and his friendship and, and him being a weekly guest on Tuesdays here on On the Line on ESPN 106.7. We'll take our final break, come back, and wrap it up when we come back here on ESPN 106.7. 
are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Winding down here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line on ESPN 1067. Uh, another shout out to Daryl Dappert, who joins me every Tuesday at 3.30. Just, I mean, just a wonderful guy and, and always has so much great information and interesting perspectives when talking uh, Auburn football, Auburn basketball, and he's been doing it for a long time. And we appreciate him being our weekly Tuesday guest. If you missed any of today's show, man, it's been a really great show today. I needed this today. I'll just be honest with you. I needed this today. And I appreciate you all making it so much fun and so special each and every day. Uh, tons of great calls and so many different talking points and conversations today, but all of them had really good insight uh, from you, the callers, and, and so many different topics brought up and interesting um, um, perspectives on things, and, and I just really, really enjoyed it today. So if you missed any of it, be sure you go and catch up with the podcast, find the show on demand, wherever you get your podcast, just search on the line, uh, or you can go to ESPNAU.com and click on our podcast center, and we post it commercial-free after the show uh, there as well so be sure you go and listen to it we've talked um we've talked bowl games we've talked Auburn football against Arkansas we've talked NIL uh we've talked agencies we've talked the direction of college football I mean we we've hit all the angles today it seems like and so uh, been a really good show today and of course just had Daryl Dapperch on talking football and basketball for Auburn. Um, coming up tomorrow, tomorrow is Wednesday, which means it is Rivalry Wednesday. We'll have Austin Hannon of Bama Central in the second hour, the Sports Illustrated site for Alabama. We'll also have uh, Jordan Hill of Dogs 247, the Georgia uh, 247 site. He'll join us at 2.30 in the first hour. So looking forward to uh, talking to those two gentlemen, getting us caught up on Georgia and Alabama. Uh, Wade, Uncle T-Bone, he'll join me in the studio again tomorrow. If you missed that announcement, he is uh, my new co-host on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So looking forward to having him back in the studio. And we begin to flip the page tomorrow to Auburn and New Mexico State. And I know the game doesn't seem exciting, but this cannot be an opportunity for Auburn to just sleepwalk their way through it. It's a talented team, man, and I don't think Hugh Freeze will let them do it. We'll look ahead to that game, talk a little Auburn basketball as they've got a couple of games this week. We'll give you some updates on uh, some programming things happening here at Auburn Network with all of our Auburn Sports Network coverage, our high school games going on. Um, that is football and basketball. Uh, we've just got a lot going on, and so all of that will be on the, uh, the show tomorrow uh, here on ESPN 106.7. So looking forward to it. Have a great rest of your Tuesday. Maybe try to get out of the office. Go home. Enjoy the evening. It's already starting to get dark. I hate it. Absolutely hate it. But it is what it is. Have a great rest of your Tuesday. The Drive coming up next with Bill and Dan. So make sure you stay tuned for that. And we'll have a great Rivalry Wednesday show tomorrow from 2 to 4 here on ESPN 106.7. Until then, I'm your man Jacob Goins. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.